Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where the true madness of the NBA offseason has just begun. And with just a few days till LA goes prospect picking at number 17, the rumor waters are getting murky and rough. So someone throw us a life raft quick. Nay, someone throw us a life draft. Because that's what we're going to need for what's about to happen on Thursday. It's sink or swim time. The 2023 NBA Draft is here. I'm your host, Jonathan Hernandez, and I'm joined by my co-host, Tommy Alexander. And Tommy, with just a few days away from the 2023 NBA Draft and many clenching their butt cheeks and bracing themselves for some crazy trades and rumors, all I can find myself thinking about, though, is who Gigi Jackson's worst-case scenario could be. And I think I've finally found the perfect answer. Can you guess who it is? Um, It could be anybody. I have no idea. Just throw out a random forward's name that you think sucks. Montrez Harrell. That's a good guess. Okay, here it is. You ready? Gigi Jackson's worst-case scenario is Jabari Parker. Oh, okay. All right. What do you think about that? I could see that. I feel like Jabari, though, even at this stage, was like more offensively developed. But yeah, in terms of NBA like floor, um, I could I could see something like that. I think in terms of like NBA longevity, just like an offensively minded player who never could figure it out on every other level of the NBA and then just got phased out, right? Although I will agree with you, coming out of college, Jabari was much a much more developed and fully rounded prospect. Um, Okay, so let's get right into it. In this episode, this is going to be our penultimate 2023. Actually, no, this is going to be our final 2023 NBA draft debrief before the big night on Thursday. We will get into our final slew of prospects we're keeping an eye out on for the Lakers and then give our predictions for who the Lakers will pick at number 17 or maybe even a later pick at the end of the episode. So yeah, no Chris Paul, no Bradley Beal talk here for now. Let's jump right into our final draft musings. Tommy, let's quickly talk about bigs. We've already talked about Derek Lively and him potentially no longer being in the Lakers range, but what are your thoughts on James Najee out of FC Barcelona, 6'10", 7'5", wingspan, 18 years old, doesn't turn 19 till mid-August, already playing for a professional basketball club. This dude is athletic, strong, built like an ox, NBA-ready body, moves and shuffles his feet on the perimeter, explosive off the floor. He just looks really scary to go up against. But your thoughts on James Najee? I think like, you know, the thing with him right now is he's athletic clay. He's he's a complete physical freak. Like you mentioned, his his body is his strength is very well developed for his age. You mentioned he's only 18. He's actually only been playing basketball for seven years, which is crazy to me because like, mm-hmm. it, you know, it suggests that he has like even higher upside than he's shown so far. Um the thing about him, right, he's not NBA ready. If you're thinking about like where the Lakers are going to be at 17, I, I think that might be a little bit too high for a guy like him. I, I think like currently in the the ringer is mo- mocking him in the uh, in the 20s. I've seen him late 20s or even early for or excuse me, early second. Um, you know, all that said, I think 
he's probably the third best center in the draft. Like, you you know, obviously Wemby is going to go number one. You mentioned we've talked about Lively. After those two guys, I think it's Najee. So if you're a team that like really needs a center, he's like an interesting player, right? You can kind of see why he's mocked all over the place because you could see someone taking him early second, or you could see a team who's just taking him, a team that's desperate for a center, taking him maybe ahead of where he should have gone um, just because he's probably the third best center. I think like, you know, in terms of NBA readiness, he has really good shot blocking instincts. Um, his game is right now is lobs and blocks. That's pretty much yep. all he does. Like if you can imagine like a super raw, like young Clint Capello when he first came into the NBA, he's yep. sort of similar to that. Um, I think like, you know, his offensive skills, again, super, super raw. Um, he fouls a lot, so I don't know how, how much he could stay on the court. I mean, when you see this guy with the ball on his hands trying to do things offensively, it kind of is like Kwame Brown-esque. Yep. I mean, he's so physically big and dominating and quick for his size that it's like alarming. But then at the same right, time, he's clunky. it's like... Exactly. It's like he's going too fast. Um, so it kind of does remind me of Kwame a little bit. But, you know, he's 18, so he's going to develop... Um, he's an interesting player. I don't think he's obviously he's not going to be there when we uh, pick in the second round unless we trade up. And he's probably too, too raw for us to take at 17. But I, he's an interesting player. If we trade down, I think he's definitely worth a look. I think he's NBA ready in terms of defensively. You can throw him out there for 10 to 15 minutes and he can, you know, throw some bodies around and inflict some pain because, you know, he's only 18. But when you look at this guy. You look at his his muscles and you're like, this is a lie. There's no way this dude is only 18. So, yeah, I agree with you. I think he has a lot to work on on the offensive end. But I guess on a LeBron James, Anthony Davis-led team, he's going to get his fair share of lobs and rim runs and cleaning up the glass and stuff like that. So you don't even need to worry too much about him offensively. I guess you just wish that he had some sort of touch and feel uh, in the paint or even some sort of mid-range jump shot, which he doesn't currently. Uh, But yeah, that's James Najee. I wouldn't mind him if the Lakers traded down. Now, what are your thoughts on Trace Jackson Davis, TJD? He is like one of the older prospects in this class, 23 years old. But goddamn, if you look at this guy's stats from his senior year, Oh, yeah. 21 points, 11 rebounds, 4 assists, 0.8 steals, 2.9 blocks, 58% from the field, 69% from free throw land, free throw land, from the stripe. He doesn't shoot threes at all, but he did show some shooting mechanics uh, at the combine during his workouts. He showed the ability to at least shoot threes. He hasn't shown the want to shoot threes. But this dude is athletic AF. He's skilled in the post. He's a great post playmaker. He literally does everything. Um, when I when I first heard about him, I was like, "So what's the knock on him?" Because he's probably super loafing, right? And then I watch him in the open court, and I'm like, "Oh, dude, this guy is very athletic, and he's blocking shots left and right. He looks like John Collins." So really, what is the knock on him? I guess it's the fact that he can't shoot threes or he doesn't want to shoot. But also, I think at the end of the day, it's just his age. But in terms of getting like, I don't know, John Collins meets Julius Randle meets Aaron Gordon type player, I think you could really, this is a market inefficiency, him being this old and teams not wanting to take an older prospect. If the Lakers want to get a guy like this, and I I guess it's tricky because he is sort of, you know, power forward slash center who can't space, but in terms of just getting a talented player who's maybe more NBA ready because of his age, I don't know. I've really grown attracted to Trace Jackson Davis, but what are your thoughts on him? Yeah. I mean, I think I agree with a lot of what what you said. He, because he's older, right. You know, he's kind of, he's kind of mock later again than our picks um, or later than our first pick. Currently the ringer has him at like 30, right. Um, He's super, super high IQ, when you think about like all the different things he does, he does kind of remind me of like Larry Nance or even like mm-hmm. a less athletic. I mean, this he is super athletic, so I don't mean this in, a, in the wrong way, but like a less athletic Brandon Clark. You kind of wonder like what he is going to be able to do without a shot. But then when you watch him play, like kind of like Brandon Clark, he just like he doesn't try to do things he's not good at. He has really, really good touch. He can put the ball on the ground. And so, like, he often does put the ball on the ground and just get into the paint area and just shoot these little floaters, and he hits them at a super, super high rate. He protects the rim, like, really well as a help defender. Um, I think his athleticism is kind of sneaky because, like, usually guys with this archetype, like 6'8", 7'1", wingspan, like, 240, like, you're not expecting these guys to, like, 
necessarily be explosive, but he gets off the floor really quickly. Mm-hmm. And it, it, that's what I'm saying. It's like, it, it's like, I want to say he's a less, less, less athletic Brandon Clark, but he is still super, super athletic. I mean, like the big question with him is going to be, what does he do with his shot? Um, he didn't shoot at all in college and he does most of his work in the paint. So like, what does he play in the NBA? He's only six, eight, but he's like really more of like a power forward. But then like, uh, excuse me, he's he's really more of like a five, actually, but he's only yeah. six, eight. But when you're thinking about like size, you know, Wenyan is like maybe an inch taller than him. And so you can imagine like, especially even in a lineup where he's playing with somebody like a Mo Bamba or a stretch big man, you know, he can he can do some things. He can do what he wants to do defensively and it won't, or excuse me, offensively, and it won't really kill your spacing. And of course he could like, make up for a lot with his defensive uh, effort. I I just think like a guy like this who competes, he clearly has some touch around the rim. I think you can kind of bet that you can teach him to at least hit a mid range jumper. And then like, once he does that, it's, he does so many other intangible things and including playing defense that, you know, it's kind of like Vando. Like he does so many other things that you could justify playing him even without the jumper, but he's like overall so much more skilled than Vando as like an Mm -hmm. offensive player. So I I really really like him, and if we trade down, I mean, I think they have to take a really close look at at him. And this is why I'm a strong advocate of the Lakers moving up from their number 47 pick somehow, yeah. or buying a pick in the 30 to 40 range because TJD is a guy who's slipping just because he's older, and he's six eight point twenty five Tommy without shoes. So with shoes, he's a six nine player essentially. And you know I've heard this comp for him before, but. He's kind of like a poorer man's DeMontis Sabonis because he likes to work in the post, but he's a really good playmaker, doesn't really have a jump shot. But if DeMontis Sabonis was actually super athletic and had some defense, um, you can see some shades of what Sabonis can kind of do. But with Trace Jackson Davis, if he's coming into an AD LBJ team, he's not going to be the go-to guy. So then to your point, what does he do? Because they're not going to treat him like he's DeMontis and allow him to go to work. Um, last prospect in the bigs category before we move on is I just want to throw his name out again. Noah Clowney, 18 years old, clutch client. He is 6'10 with a seven foot three wingspan. Very wiry frame right now. He averaged 10 points, eight rebounds, 0.6 steals, 0.9 blocks, 49% from the field, only 29% from three, but he did knock down one a game and has shown the ability to hit standstill catch and shoot threes. Is he Vanderbilt 2.0? Could he be Jaden McDaniels if he finds his three-point shot? Could he be Chris Boucher if he finds his three-point shot? Or on the other end of the spectrum, can he bulk up more and try to be some facsimile of a Miles Turner player? I'm not sure, but I think Noah Clowney is a, a testament to how strong this draft is that an 18-year-old player with these measure, with these measurements and this skill set is getting mocked in like the late first to early second. So keep an eye out for Noah Clowney just because he's a clutch client, but he's also an intriguing sort of upside play. I don't know if necessarily the Lakers would take a chance on him, but have you been able to watch any Noah Clowney at all or have any thoughts on a player like him? I haven't had a chance to watch too much of him, but I mean, like every because of everything you described, he just seems like a really good roster fit for us. So, I mean... The clutch connection obviously, you know, is something to look at when when it comes to like scouting guys in this range, I guess, because it's like it seems like we tend to lean towards those guys, at least in the past. But um, but yeah, I mean, I, I like him as a prospect, too, but I just haven't dug into him as much. Yeah, not, that's fair. But yeah, just keep a lookout for Noah Clowney. All right. Before we take it to break, let's do some quick hits on the guards. So we've mentioned before that this draft class surprisingly has a very strong guard crop, even though there's also a lot of wings. Uh, It seems like the guards are more NBA ready and have a lot more ceiling because all of them are actually like 19 years old. So you can also project some upside there. Um, But what are your thoughts on and I'll just go through. I'll do chunks of them. Let's go through Kaysen Wallace and Jalen hood Shafino since they are being mocked in the 10 to 13 range. Kaysen Wallace from Kentucky, 19 years old, 6'4", bully ball defender, guard, Marcus Smart on defense, Mike Conley on offense, just a steady sound floor general on the offensive end. And then defense is really his calling card. He's an absolutely relentless defender who's physical and has a sturdy frame, relentless motor, 
He's not flashy at all, but he gets the job done. You've heard the Drew Holiday comps. Um, 11.7 points, 3.7 rebounds, 4.3 assists, two steals. That is crazy. Two steals, 0.5 blocks is also the other impressive part because this guy will go for chase down blocks out of nowhere. He does not give up on plays. 44.6% from the field, 35% from three, 1.5 makes. He can kind of do everything. And then Jalen Hood-Shafino on the other end from Indiana. He's also 19 years old. 6'5", do-it-all combo guard. Can shoot mainly from the mid-range. Can pass. I described him as Derek White. Jamal Murray in the mid-range. Can give you some D'Angelo Russell vibes as well because he doesn't really attack the basket that much and he's not a paint guard. But he is a very smooth operator. Very fluid and especially very fluid in the mid-range. Can hit pull-up mid-range Jays. He does lack three-point pull-up efficiency and volume, but his mechanics are good, so I don't see why that wouldn't translate. But yeah, he can kind of do it everything. Again, like Derek White, because he also plays on the defense. He also plays very solidly on the defensive end. 13.5 points, four rebounds, 3.7 assists, 0.8 steals, 42% from the field, 33% from three, 1.2 a game. What are your thoughts on Kaysen Wallace and JHS? Kaysen Wallace is like actually a, a guy who the more I see him, the more excited I get about him. I mean, it's unfortunate that I think he's, I mean, I, I find it unlikely he's going to fall to 17. The ringer has him currently actually mocked at 16, but I, I just feel like there's no way that he goes that he, he drops to us. I, you know, maybe we try to trade up if we're this interested. I, I think like the one thing about this guy is you sort of have to look at like the recent Kentucky John Calipari guards and like, yep. it's sort of like the track record is undeniable. I mean, Shaden Sharp, Tyrese Maxey, Emmanuel Quickly, Tyler Hero, SGA, De'Aaron Devin Fox, Booker. Malik Monk, Jamal Murray, Devin Booker. I mean, it's like like the last eight years basically in a row, Calipari guards have just destroyed. And we've seen a lot of these guys like Booker went like late lotto, um, you know, uh, De'Aaron Fox. I guess De'Aaron Fox and Monk were higher, right? But like guys like Hero went late lotto. Uh, Shaden Sharp went like around 10 or 9, right? So like they tend to go like not necessarily be projected as like top three players. But so far, I mean, like how many of these names would you say are probably top three players in their drafts? Like it's a lot, you know, despite all of the but despite all of the offensive talent that, you know, a lot of these other Kentucky guys have produced. Um, you mentioned the defense with Wallace. He gets good steals and even blocks, despite being only 6'3". He's got a pretty good wingspan. He did shoot only 35% from three this year. But if you look at like the numbers a little more closely, he was hitting 42% through like mid-January and then started mm. dealing with some injuries and and his his percentage started to like plummet quite a bit. He's not like... He's a solid playmaker, I will say. He's maybe not like a true point guard, like some of the maybe some of the other guards we've talked about or will talk about. But next to other combo guards like D'Angelo and Austin Reeves, I I just think the transition is going to be a lot easier for him. Like he'll get there eventually, and and I just think it'll help. Um, well, Kentucky also didn't have very good spacing around him, so I think that'll easily get better for him in the NBA. So yeah, yeah, and then Jalen Hood, you know, good size good like really good wingspan right he's got like a 10 10 uh, 610 wingspan you can kind of see him playing either guard spot i mean to your point right he likes to pull up from the mid-range off the dribble and he's kind of money from that range his form from deep is like a little bit wonky I, I mean like it's it's like you see the percentages are lower than what you would think given how smooth he looks from the mid-range and then you watch him shoot from the perimeter his like release timing is super inconsistent it almost feels like Jordan Poole where he's just like trying to play swag ball instead of like actually trying to like <laughs> like stand there methodically and like take shots with good form um he's a really good defender like uh you know like Wallace I think both of these guys have really good strength um and so you know he's also a really solid defense uh, sorry I mentioned that he's a really solid defender um he just he does a good job you know getting people into space and then just shooting over centers who are like playing him in drop um 
those are the types of skills that we've seen Austin Reeves, you know, have success with in in our system, even D'Lo, right, in in sort of the limited sample size for a quarter of of the season last year. Um, And so you kind of can project uh, him having success with us. Between these two guys, personally, I'm higher on Wallace, but I think they're both solid. Yeah, I think JHS is a master in the pick and roll, um, whether it's scoring for himself or playmaking for others. But I agree with you. I would love Cason Wallace because... Kaysen Wallace is like the perfect kind of plug-and-play guard next to LeBron James and Anthony Davis, right? He doesn't need the ball in his hands. Just play tough defense, um, muck it up, and then just hit your open outside shots, play making a pinch. I mean, he's just so NBA-ready to me and such a smart player. So I would love it if he fell to the Lakers. Don't think he will. Um, Our last two guard prospects I want to talk about, and I'm pairing them up for a reason, but... Let's talk about Kobe Bufkin out of Michigan, 19, year, 19 years old. He's also getting lottery promises, but we don't know at this stage whether they're real or not. Apparently, OKC will take him, maybe the Toronto Raptors. I'm just bringing up Kobe Bufkin because he's a Kobe from Michigan. Rob Palenka ties. Lakers Nation is all over this dude. Um, 6'5", six, 6'8", six wingspan, crafty, driving two-way combo guard in the likes of Jordan Poole. Uh, DeAnthony Melton because he's a two-way guard. Recently, I've come upon this comp of DeJounte Murray if he hits his ceiling, Tommy, because I could Mm -hmm. see that 6'5", sort of two-way guard that can kind of do everything but isn't necessarily like a knockdown three-point shooter but is athletic, gets to the paint, et cetera, et cetera. Um, He does play tough and pesky defense on the perimeter, will go up for weak side blocks and blocks in transition. So he definitely cares about that side of the ball, which is encouraging. And then this year, he really made a leap he is a young sophomore. He's only 19 years old. And then last season, he only like averaged 10 minutes and three points per game. This year, 14 points, 4.5 rebounds, 2.9 assists, 1.3 steals, 0.7 blocks, 48% from the field, 35% from three, 1.3 a game. You will, everybody by at this point knows that stat. His at the rim percentage this year was like 70%. So he yeah. is a guard that likes to get to the rim. He's an excellent finisher, finisher at the rim with some very nifty, unorthodox finishes. His only problem right now is that he's slight in frame. He needs to improve his consistency with his three-point shot and needs to improve his volume. And then for me, it's more so like a lack of a bigger sample size. This is his first year where he's kind of shown these flashes. They're good flashes, but can he do it over an extended college season? I guess he kind of did it this season. But yeah, I just need a bigger sample size I guess of Kobe Bufkin although what he's shown so far does intrigue me I think he's probably the best paint guard in this class in terms of finishing at the rim but yeah he's very intriguing because he can kind of do everything but so far he's not an expert at any one thing and then Keontae George out of Baylor also 19 years old 6'4 6'5 He was 225 pounds, but he has slimmed down to a cut 205. And then during his workouts, he's looked very athletic and bouncy. So Keontae George, and this is just a personal preference to me, I'm more drawn to him aesthetically because he's that very flashy and fun on-ball creator. He's like an elite shot maker. I feel like the percentages will lie to you because he only shot 37.6% from the field. 34% 34% uh, from three-point land, but he did hit 2.33s a game this past season, and then 79% from the stripe. 15 points, four rebounds, 2.8 assists, 1.1 steals. He has shown a lot of really good flashes on the defensive end because he is a strong sort of guard. But to me, the thing that lights my eyes up about Keontae George is just the elite shot making. Like, he is so fluid and smooth. He hits these tough jump shots in the mid-range. He has deep three-point range. Um, I think the reason why his percentages are so low is because he takes tough shots. He needs to work on his shot selection, and he honestly just probably believes that he can make these shots. So for me, the worst-case scenario for Keontae George is like a Cam Thomas from Brooklyn, like a Jaden Hardy. Mm -hmm. But the best case is like, I mean, you've heard the Bradley Beal comps, but also I could see Donovan Mitchell. I just like the package, like his bully ball body and then his ability to, like, you know when guys are bucket getters and Keontae George is that type of guy and the fact that he has shown flashes on the defensive end too intrigue me. But what are your thoughts on Kobe Bufkin and Keontae George? 
So, Kobe, I'm not going to spend too much time because you literally covered every single note I had. <laughs> um, My bad. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 it's all good. But, you know, he the finishing at the rim, you know, you, you noted the extremely high percentage. The fact that he's only 195 pounds and still has, like, a ton of strength that he needs to and will gain, like, and he still shot that well at the rim in college is extremely, extremely enticing, right? Because we've seen those are the types of things – Ability to finish at the rim, ability to draw contact, ability to finish through contact. Like these are the stats that tend to translate well to the NBA. And then conversely, like people who are not good at the stuff in college often tend to not get that much better when they make it to the NBA, at least in the first couple of years. Right. Um, he's not a great playmaker, Kobe. You know, he he wants to look for his own shot. But at the other, you know, like you said, he's not like a great at one specific thing so he's not like really a great one-on-one guy in space all the time um the thing i am i like about him the most probably and you mentioned this too he's only 19 it's rare to be able to get a guy who's 19 who's not one and done he played two full seasons Mm -hmm. in michigan so that is kind of nice um Keontae george i again kind of agree with everything you say I, i maybe not as high on him you know as as between the two like him and kobe i i still like kobe as well but I mean, my first note on Keontae George is dude is just a bucket. Um, he just yep. is he is <laughs> just a bucket. a bucket. I mean, like he you mentioned his overall, you know, sort of mediocre seeming uh, shooting percentages at Baylor. But it's sort of similar, right, to, to what we were talking about before um, with Wallace. He Keontae George got off to like a blistering start before he started having injuries. And I think his injuries were like pretty significant and and would Mm -hmm. impact your shooting percentage. So in his first 24 games, right, he scored 17 and a half points per game shooting 45%. I think the Brad Beal comp, I, you know, it's like the one that everyone's heard, but you can see it like in his game. Right. And he gets to the rim. He gets to the line. Again, these are all things that are going to translate. Um, but you know, gets the, to two, the line is a big one, by the way. Yeah. 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 And, but you know, the two issues are, he turns it over a ton. Um, and like a lot of firecracker, like these sort of firecracker offensive dudes at this stage, he's not really playing a ton of defense. Um, you know, maybe that develops, but like, as of right now, it's, you're getting, you're drafting this guy for offense and you hope kind of everything else develops. I mean, you know, the more I looked into these guards, right, I just like it's it's a shame because I just feel like if we were three picks up, I know everybody always wants to be like a few picks up. But like, I'm honestly more excited overall by, I think, these sort of six, four, six, five guards than I am about um, no, Palinka, the, the bigger wings. Dude. I know, dude, Palinka's <laughs> been brainwashing me or something. But but, you know, I like all these guys. It's honestly it's hard for me to say between the four we've discussed so far who I who I like the best or like how I would rank them. So. Yeah, I think for this team, I'd probably go Kaysen Wallace, then Keontae, then Kobe. I, yeah, it's it's hard. It, it changes every day. The The thing is, I think out of these four that we've discussed so far, Keontae may be the one that slips to 17. So I don't know. It's tricky, right? You're not sure what's a smokescreen and what's not. But yeah, great group of guards. Um, before we take it to break, I'll just throw in Nick Smith, who we've, who we've talked about before. Also a clutch client. Also 19 years old. 6'5", former number one high school recruit in 2022, wiry and long injuries derailed his year this year, crafty bucket getter, great touch, can get hot from three, Bones Highland, Tyrese Maxey. He's another guy, but he may be slipping to the first round. Um, Let's take it to break. When we return, let's get into some prospects that I think the Lakers are going to hone in on, or not necessarily hone in on, but they seem like the most Lakery types of prospects. And and then we'll get into our final predictions on who the Lakers will pick at number 17. So we will catch you guys after the break. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, so we are back. Quickly, some second rounders to look into or look out for. Tommy, I don't think you've looked at these guys yet, but just uh, keep them in your back pocket. Uh, I really like Seth Lundy from Penn State. He is 6'6". He is a 3 and D wing. 23 years old, so that's why he's going in the second round. 
14 points, 6 rebounds, 0.8 steals, 0.6 blocks, 40% from 3, Tommy, hitting 2.6 a game. So Seth Lundy, to me, is like, if you watch him play, he looks like Gary Trent Jr. out there. You also get some Malik Beasley vibes because he just likes to chuck it from three. Um, but he can kind of do a little bit of everything off the dribble as well, and he has a really strong frame. So you can also see some Caleb Martin in him. So I really like Seth Lundy if the Lakers are able to get him at number 47 or maybe even as an undrafted free agent. And then also I want to throw out Jalen Slauson out of Furman. Furman, believe it or not, is a D1 school, but it's one of the smallest D1 schools. I think it's like a liberal arts college or something. Anyways, Jalen Slauson, 6'7", 23 years old as well. 16 points, 7 rebounds, 3 assists, 55% from the field, 39% from 3, hitting 1.1 a game, 1.5 steals, 1.5 blocks. This dude reminds me of Kyle Kuzma but he's already sort of like a developed defender. So like Kyle Kuzma, when you saw him with the 2019-20 Lakers on the defensive end, and then his thing is he's a really good playmaker. Uh, He's not like a good volume three-point shooter, but he has shown the ability to knock down catch-and-shoot threes, and he has improved in that department every year. But he's just a really strong, physical, semi-athletic forward who plays both ends. So if the Lakers got him at 47 or brought him into camp, I would be ecstatic. All right, so let's focus on what I like to call some very Lakers prospects. Um, Let's start with Bryce Sensabaugh. And I'm only putting him here because the Lakers did work him out. Uh, But he also reminds me, Tommy, a little bit of Taylor Horton Tucker, which I've said in the past, but 6'6", 235 pounds, my God. Seven foot two wingspan, only 19 years old, out of Ohio State. Big, thick, but agile and crafty. Uh, Amazingly smooth, three-level scorer, can post dudes up easily. 16 points, 48% from the field, 40% from three, hitting 1.8 a game. This dude is also a bucket master in the mid-range. The only problem is, and I think the reason why he's slipping, is he does have some knee injury concerns did have multiple surgeries on his knee when he was a junior in high school. And then he did miss some of the postseason this year because of his knee as well. But yeah, he's a fun player to watch. Um, Defensively, you're not drafting him because of his defense. He's slow-footed on defense, weak on closeouts, gets blown by, definitely terrible off ball. He has shown some flashes on ball, and especially if like he's trying to body up dudes in the post. But yeah, you're getting him because he's a bucket. Your thoughts on Bryce Sensabaugh? I mean, like you mentioned, he's just like a, t- he's built, you know, he's like not that much taller than some of these other guards we've discussed, but he is 40 plus pounds heavier than most of them, right? <laughs> so he does not have the problem of needing to add strength like a, like a lot of the people we just talked about. But, you know, at this point, he's mostly an ISO scorer. He's just very elite at it. He's a smooth shooter um, and you kind of know what you're getting offensively. I think the thing is like, you know, there's always a learning curve, right? And there's always that adjustment going to the NBA. So what does he really do for you when he is like learning how to get his shots off at the NBA level? That that would be like my concern. He's undersized to like be a true wing in the NBA. Um, To me, I mean, I know you said 6'6". Six, six. I've seen him 6'5", even like, you know, listed. And, and he's like, he sort of reminds me of like a big guard version of like TJ Warren. Like if TJ Warren or like yeah. Marcus Morris or someone like that was just like a big guard as opposed to like a wing, it's like that's sort of the game that I think he has. Um, he has the length, I mean, to compete defensively, but I just like he's I, I think the reason he's falling is because I just think a lot of teams don't know where you put him. I think like his height suggests he's really more of a a two, honestly, but he, his, but as the way he's built suggests he's more of a three. I mean, it's kind of the Taylor Horton Tucker issue and THT had to like drop a, a bunch of weight and we saw how that went. But I mean, the fact that Sensabaugh can really, really, really score at an elite level gives you some, some comfort in knowing that his floor is probably pretty high. I mean, his floor is, I know you like to compare him to THT, but his floor is probably higher than THT, I think, just because at the very least, you know, you're getting like an elite scorer and shooter. Yeah, he's like DeRozan and Booker in the mid-range. He knows how to get to his spots. And I think because of his frame, he can always get to his spots, right? It's just, do you use him at the next level if he never improves defensively or never improves in his conditioning? Do you use him just as that 
bucket getter off the bench, you know? So, um, but he's very in- intriguing just because of his physical profile. And you don't usually see it, it is kind of like THT because seven foot two wingspan on a six, five, six, six guy. It's, it's crazy. Um, Let's move on to Maxwell Lewis, 6'7", seven, seven foot wingspan out of Pepperdine, 20 years old, will be 21 in July, but the Bus Brothers have gone to many Pepperdine games because it's just in Malibu this past season. 17 points, 6 rebounds, 3 assists, 47% from the field, 35% from 3, 1.5 threes made, 0.8 steals, 0.8 blocks. Even though defense was sort of a problem for him th- this year, I think statistically those steals and blocks numbers portend to obviously him being able to leverage his physical tools, which is encouraging. He probably just needs to lock in fundamentally. Um, but yeah, he's kind of lanky. He's His movements and finishes in the lane kind of remind me of like a shorter Ingram at times. It looks kind of awkward, but he can always get to his spots. He's really good in the mid-range, whether it's posting up or finding his shots for a pull-up mid-range J. Um, he's a very offensively versatile scorer, very fluid and smooth. Um, yeah, I mean, I I didn't really have a problem with Maxwell Lewis. He kind of can do everything on the offensive end and then defensively you can kind of project him out. Uh, he kind of reminded me a little bit of Bradley Beal, like a, like a frailer Bradley Beal. Um, some buddy healed movements to him with his crafty dribbles, except he's more aggressive driving to the basket as well. Um, Maybe a little bit of Jalen Brown. These are all very like high-end comps for Maxwell Lewis, but he's a guy who I feel like in another draft would have gone top 12 easily because of his offensive upside, and he's probably just getting overlooked because, I don't know, he doesn't do any one thing too well. I like his rebounding numbers, six rebounds per game. Um, the, wor- the worst case scenario for me would be like a, like a Stanley Johnson kind of reminds me of Stanley Johnson too, but I think he's more offensively gifted. But what are your thoughts on Maxwell Lewis? Because I feel like he's a guy the Lakers may definitely hone in on if they trade down, especially because they've gotten a very, very good look at him. And you know that he already has some offensive know-how and fluidity to him. If you can just hone in on his role in the NBA and groom him up to be more of a three and D type player because he does have the measurables, then you may have something on your hands. But what are your thoughts on Maxwell? He's intriguing. I mean, when you, like you mentioned, uh, you and it, the word you use was lanky. I think it's like on first glance you see this lanky forward and you just immediately think like, okay, this guy maybe has three and D type potential. But like you said, right, he's shown some flashes of what he might look like with a more developed game, like off the dribble. He's got pretty good athleticism. He bounces off the floor and uses his length pretty well. Um, he doesn't really have like playmaking guard skills, so in that respect, he really is more like a wing. He turns it over quite a bit. I think he uses his length pretty well defensively. He's sort of like, in a way, reminds me of like a another Max Christie with just like maybe a more developed offensive uh, offensive mm-hmm. game off the dribble at this stage than Max had. Um, you know, like Max though, he kind of does seem like more content settling for jumpers off the back off the bounce than like attacking the rim. I think the thing, right, is like, what are you getting in the NBA? Are you getting like a Max Christie type? Are you getting like an Anthony Brown type? Are you you know, if he continues to develop his game, there aren't a lot of like six, seven, seven foot wingspan dudes who could shoot like this, right? He, if the handles and the one on one like sort of game develop, he could be pretty scary. I mean, he threw out some high end names as like comps, but that's like that. The thing about those comps is like you have to sort of make those comps because there's not that many six, seven guys with seven foot wingspans yeah. who who could do these types of things, right? But the question is like, right? Does he actually? hit his potential. I think like he's so upside right now. That's probably the reason why, um, you know, he's in the twenties in in most drafts. I think the ringer has him like mocked in the late twenties. So, um, what does he develop into? I think that's the question, but yes, in a trade down scenario, I, I I think you definitely take a a, a look at him with, cause since he's so high upside. Yeah, I agree. So let's move on to, some lower upside guys, but high floor guys. Let's go with Ben Shepard, 6'6", six, 6'8", six, six, wingspan out of Belmont. Four-year college player, 21 years old. He will be 22 in July, but he is one of the draft's late risers. 
19 points, 5.2 rebounds, 3 assists, 1.4 steals, 47.5% from the field, 41.5% from 3, hitting 2.5 a game. Surprisingly, he's only a 68% free throw shooter. That just doesn't fit with everything else, but very strong numbers across the board. He's a strong, stout, smart defender, moves his feet well, bodies guys up, kind of looks like a smaller Shane Battier out there at times. And then the three-point stroke is smooth. He runs off screens well. He can hit pull-up threes. He can hit in the mid-range. Very solid playmaker. Makes high reads with the ball. Keeps the ball moving. Smart cutter as well. I kind of described him as like another version of Quentin Grimes at the next level, like a 3 and D guy. But also, if you watch him, he's so offensively versatile, Tommy, that I also see a little bit of Austin Reeves in him, which is kind of funny. Yeah. Um And then just, you know, off the court, he's a very well-spoken, articulate, high-character kind of guy that I feel like he's the type of mature player that I feel like the Lakers tend to gravitate towards. But what are your thoughts on Ben Shepard? So Ben Shepard, a.k.a. the homewrecker, um, and we call him that. We call him that because there's rumors that Jonathan's girlfriend is getting concerned about how much Ben Shepard's name comes up in their home. Um, and how much I cook Shepard's pie for her exactly. <laughs> at dinner time. <laughs> He's a 6'5 movement shooter. I mean, when you say movement shooter, if you could just imagine in the abstract what that is, it's literally this guy is like a caricature of that. He hit 42% from three, you know, his his last year. And that was like, you know, with curling off screens like crazy, it was like catch and shoot threes. But at the same time, he's not as one dimensional as some of the movement shooters we've seen uh, float around the last few years. And honestly, some of the guys that we've discussed, because, you, you know, if you can recall the concerns that we raised about like Jordan Hawkins, right? And some of the other guys that we discussed, it's like, what do they do when you like chase them off the line? Yeah, Ben Shepard can do things when you chase him off the line. He could definitely pass it a bit. He can do things off the bounce if guys close out on him. Part of his abilities here are he had a late growth spurt. Um, he was 6'1 the summer going into his senior year of high school. So since then, he's grown about like four to five inches. And because of this like kind of late later in life growth spurt, he's kept some of like the point guard skills off, you know, offensively, especially as a passer. Um, he likes to get into the mid range, but he doesn't like to finish at the rim, which is a yeah. little concerning. I think my two main concerns with him are... Number one, and this is like going to sound crazy because we just went on and on about how great of a shooter he is. But like, I th- like my concern is like, who is he really as a shooter? I think you know, as a senior, he had a really really nice year, but for three years overall in the aggregate, he was a pretty mediocre shooter. He did improve annually. He was like twenty eight percent as a freshman, thirty then thirty three percent, then thirty four percent, leading into the forty one. So that's good, right? It it's just like you wonder like how how much of that is actual growth and how much of that is just like. We don't know because it's college. He played at Belmont. I don't know what happened. Like you know, maybe he was just too advanced and and he put up some some big numbers and and I don't know how well it's going to translate. The main reason I'm concerned about that, right, is because he shot seventy like sub seventy percent from the free throw line, which is just like a little bit odd for someone who you expect to be this sort of elite shooter. And then the second concern I have is like, does he have the strength to contribute right away? Like he is a senior and he's. But, he, you know, at 6'6", six, six, he's sub 200 pounds. You figure he needs to add, like, 15-ish pounds to be able to compete um, defensively and use his length effectively at the next level. He has the instincts, but he has to build that strength. And when you're talking about, like, a senior, you know, you can kind of see why he's he's lower on most people's boards, um, lower first round slash early second round, just because, you know, for someone who is this age you're already you hope you're getting someone who's immediately NBA ready and he is in most respects but the defense I think is a question I because of his, think because his... of his strength sorry he completes he's very good defensively and he has very good length but I'm worried about the strength yeah I think that is easily workable and I, at this point I think you just have to trust the shot mechanics because he shoots a very easy three-point shot and it's very fluid um, and then at this point, I, I don't know if this is a hot take, but I would rather have Ben Shepard than Jordan Hawkins. And when I looked at both of their ages, they're oh, both yeah. 21. I think yeah. Ben Shepard turns 22 in July, but it's like an eight, no, one year difference. And I'm like, yeah, give me the more versatile guy who has shown at least better defensive uh, tenacity at the, at that level than, you know, Jordan Hawkins, who, yeah, he won the NCAA championship and whatnot. But there's le- to me, there's less upside maybe better shooting with Jordan Hawkins obviously but Ben Shepard I think can do a little bit more um kind of along the same vein though 
What are your thoughts on Colby Jones, a similar sort of prospect, 6'5 with a 6'8 wingspan out of Xavier, 21 years old, 15 points, 6 rebounds, 4.4 assists, 1.6 steals, 51% from the field, 38% from three, hitting 1.3 a game. He is your prototypical do-it-all utility man and floor general. Josh Hart, Derek White, Malcolm Brogdon, very smart, solid playmaker with good size, great defender, and kind of in comparison to your point about Ben Shepard, has really good strength too. He's a very stout guy, good frame. And to me, he's just, he's kind of boring because he's a ready-made win-now type of guy with a really high floor, but maybe a lower ceiling. But he's the type of guy who I feel like the Lakers would totally pick if they had their typical 25 to 27 draft pick, right? Because he's your Larry Nance, your Josh Hart, et cetera, et cetera. The only real weakness or question mark is whether he can maintain his three-point improvement over the years, because this is the first year that he shot 38% from three. Can he raise that volume? But at the same time, you're talking about, well, Kobe Bufkin was 35% hitting 1.5 a game. I think with Kobe Jones, you you trust the stroke a little bit more. But yeah, what are your thoughts on Kobe Jones? Kobe Jones, I mean, I think the way you described him is sort of boring, I think is is accurate, <laughs> but it that doesn't mean he's not good, right? He I think people have made the you know, Brogdon comps, people have made sort of Josh Hart comps. I think like, you know, the Josh Hart comps come when you think about like the fact that he does other things other than just score and play defense. I mean, like he does things that you would not necessarily expect from a six five guard. He averaged seven rebounds per game as a sophomore and six rebounds per game last year. He's the type of combo guard again, like some of these other combo guards who you think might have some success playing next to D'Lo in Austin. He could put the ball on the ground on the perimeter. You know, he has a really nice floater game. Um, you know, tough defense because of his strength, he can switch on to wings. If you've listened to us over the past few months, right, especially during the playoff push, big guards that are able to split switch onto wings. And like, yeah, you know, most big wings are going to be able to shoot over you. But like in terms of strength, right, who can switch onto a wing and hold their ground? It was like a nice skill that we've really missed since we got rid of Caruso and KCP. Um, Colby Jones sort of fills that void. I think like, again, similar to the Shepard, although like he's, I think, more of a question mark than Shepard as a shooter. But yeah, you know, Colby Jones sub 70 percent from the free throw line in two out of two of his three years in college. He shot 33%, then 29% as a sophomore, before 38% this year. So how much of that is, you know, actual improvement versus, like, an anomaly? He was 43% on catch-and-shoot threes last year, which is way higher than I frankly would have guessed. (laughs) But he was sub-35% the prior two years, right? Um, He's less comfortable shooting off the dribble or coming off the pick-and-roll as, like, a ball handler. But he can do some playmaking, and, you know, I mentioned the rebounding. So he is the type of, like, prototypical, like... I mean, you mentioned these are, like, Laker type of guys, but this is, like, the type of guy you could really see us, like, trading down for. And if we end up with two first, like, using one on him. Because he is, like, a... he You can see him slotting in, like, pretty quickly as, like, a nice role player. Yeah, he's, like, the idealized version of Dylan Brooks. When you were talking about, like, a 6'5 guard who can also guard wings, except Colby Jones can hit at a higher efficiency and also playmake for you in a pinch. I think we've undersold his playmaking thus far. He's a really good playmaker. I think Xavier relied on him to create offense for them in the pick and roll, and he did so expertly. So, yeah, Colby Jones is uh, yeah one of my favorite prospects, even though you some may consider him boring. Okay, really quickly, our last prospect, Chris Murray, 6'8", out of Iowa, 22 years old. He is the brother of Keegan Murray. If you look at his stats, you're like, what the hell? 20 points, 8 rebounds, 2 assists, 1 steal, 1.2 blocks, 47% from the field, 33.5% from 3, but at a high volume, 2.3. He's a really good 3-point shooter, especially as a stationary catch-and-shoot guy. On the defensive end, he's really hardworking, relentless. He uses his length well, slides his feet, and competes. He's not explosive or athletic, but I think he just has a good motor and tries really hard, and that does a lot for him. I think he's a smart, high basketball IQ sort of player. And at Iowa last year, he was relied upon to do a lot on offense. But I think in the NBA, he'll probably be more, he'll probably be better suited in a complementary role. And then he does have some craftiness to him when he gets in the paint. He kind of reminds me a little bit of, even though he does look clunky at times, he's able to get his shots off. So I see a little bit of like, 
Anton Jameson-ish in him, some Trey Lyles, but with better defense. Um, the only issue with him is he's not explosive or athletic. He can't really get gain separation when he does anything off the ball. You're really looking at a complimentary guy, but one who could slot in pretty quickly but because he can shoot. Um, and, and yeah, I guess he just kind of looks a bit stiff to me even when he's shooting his three-point shot. But outside of that, he seems like a sort of safe kind of guy with really good length because he's 6'8". But what are your thoughts on Chris Murray? So Chris Murray, I think... You know, okay, he doesn't have the fluidity that like a Kuzma has, but he's somewhere in between to me, like a Kuzma and like a Niang or like Dorian mm-hmm. Finney Smith, right? So it's not like quite as he's not quite as like polar, I think, as those types of players. Um you know, but I will I mean, look, I'll also flag that Kuzma didn't necessarily have like this full bag when he was drafted, right? He he was still a little bit more fluid, I think, moving, especially moving without the ball than Chris Murray is. Um when he was drafted. But anyway, I think like the thing with him is he's really more, it seems like he's really going to be more of a four in the NBA. Eventually yeah. he's going to need to add some weight. I mean, he's six, eight two ten, which is just not going to work. Um, but you know, he can do things as a four that I think are going to create serious problems for teams. I mean, he can put the ball on, on the, on the ground and he can get to the rim He's not like a super explosive athlete off the bounce, but he's patient and he has really good fundamentals. And like when you see him, he just like it's weird because he's like one of these guys who just looks like, you know, you kind of know what he's going to do, but you still can't stop it <laughs> because he's like so patient and and he just gets to True. his spots. Um, on catch and shoot threes, he actually only hit 34 percent this past year, but that was after hitting 39 percent the prior year. Um at his size with his skill set, he really just needs to be like a threat. I mean, the fact that his brother has transitioned into the NBA and made himself like one, I mean, I think he actually had, right? Like the best rookie three point shooting ever, uh, season mm-hmm. ever, um, in terms of make. So like, I have some confidence that Chris will develop that stuff and, and he just has to be good enough. Um, he is a solid defender with the ability, uh, switching potential in space. Um, but again, he's not typically, and I know we're not talking about him necessarily at number 17. Um, he could go that high, but he's not typically the type of high upside guy that you would take at 17. He's, he, to me, makes more sense than like a trade down situation. You know, yeah. we said this about Colby Jones too, but I think his game is so boring that he's a little bit underrated because of it. I, I just think it's <laughs> it's not easy to find 6'8 dudes with that kind of length who That's compete de, you know, compete defensively, score in a few different ways, has the ability to hit an open shot. Um, you know, can he play one like one-on-one in space right now? Like no, but who cares, right? He's 6'8, but like it's not really his game. It doesn't have to be. Um and he's high IQ and he's like a prototypical role player on like a good team. So, I really like him as a prospect, especially if we trade down. I think if he were just even a tad bit more explosive or athletic, Tommy, he'd probably be like a top 15 pick, right? But he's not, so he kind of gets left out into the dust there. All right, final predictions time. I'm going to give you two categories, Tommy. If the Lakers stay at number 17, give me three prospects who you think will be in that range and then just narrow it down to like your pick right now who your prediction is. So if the Lakers stay at number 17, give me three prospects you think the Lakers will be mulling over, and then who's your pick? Okay, one of these guys, I th- okay, I'll just say them. So I think the three guys I'm kind of interested in at 17, and I'll stick to guys that I think we've talked about, Jet Howard, Leonard Miller, and this one is like, you know, maybe this is a stretch, who knows, I don't think he's going to fall, but just because the ringer had him mocked at 16, I think that's close enough. I'll say Wallace. Um, mm-hmm. If Wallace is there, I'm taking him all day and night. If he's not there <laughs> between the other two, I think I would probably take Jed Howard. Okay, nice. So kind of along similar lines, I think you'd agree with me, Derek Lively, Bilal Koulibaly, Kobe Bufkin, Kaysen Wallace. I think they all go before 17. Yeah. And if they're all still there, I would take any of them, you know, at that spot. So the three that I think will be there that the Lakers will mull over, very similar to you, Leonard Miller, Jet Howard, and I'm adding Keontae George just because I think he's the one who could slip. He's the one who might slip. I agree with you. Yeah. So, oh man, this is tough. Keontae George, Leonard Miller, Jet Howard. 
I think I will still go Jet Howard because of the Lakers ties at the end of the day. That'll push him above Keontae George, but I would not mind Keontae George as well. So Jet Howard for me as well. Sorry, that's a boring answer, but it's it's close. Jet Howard, one. Uh, Keontae George, one A. So what about in a trade down? Um, give me three prospects you think the Lakers are mulling over and then give me who you're honing in on. So just on the topic of the trade down, I just want to quickly say, like, unless one of these dynamic scoring guards that we've talked about, like Keontae George, uh, Kaysan Wallace, like unless they fall to us, I think actually this trade down scenario is going to be the best path for us. You know, yep. you can recall that like several years ago when we made that trade for Josh Hart, we traded down from 27 to 30 and that cost Utah a second round pick, which we took Thomas Bryant with. Right. It's like if you look at the options here. Indiana is pretty attractive as a trade down partner. I think it'll take more than 26 and 29 for them to jump up nine full spots into the mid first. Um, That's kind of a pretty big jump in that range. But you can see something and we've talked about this before, right? Something like 26, 29 and 32 that Indy has for 17 and 47. That might make sense for both sides. Lakers can use a first and trade the other potentially or trade the other down the line um, after they draft a player. Plus, they jump up much higher in the second. Um, And then Indiana obviously consolidates their picks on the other side. And they have number seven as well. But, you know, in terms of guys, I guess then I would be looking for in the mid-20s-ish range of the, you know, sticking to guys we sort of talked about. Chris Murray, just because of his size and all-around sort of solid game. Um, I think would be up there. Uh, I do like Ben Shepard. I'm jumping on the bandwagon. You've you've convinced me. I really <laughs> I'm really really into his game. And Colby Jones. Those are the three guys. And then you know, sort of shout out to uh, TJ uh, TJD because I think mm-hmm. his his game is is pretty interesting too. I just think these other three are are maybe more ready to contribute right away. So who is your one pick out of those three? My one pick out of those three. It's, again, boring, but I think I have to go Chris Murray, dude. Okay. All right, Chris Murray. All right. Well, it's funny. You talk about the second-round picks or, like, the later first rounds. I do believe that the Lakers are going to walk away from this draft with at least, obviously, two of their picks. I would not be surprised if they had three picks in this draft, whether it's one one late first, two seconds, whether they buy the buy their way into the second round in that 30 to 40 range. I would be, I, I, and you know, this upcoming year, teams can have three two way spots, right? Yeah. So I expect the Lakers to have three to four guys that they're either slotting into undrafted free agent two way spots, bringing into camp, or just having on their roster because you, we could, you could potentially get a TJD plus uh, Chris Murray. You know, you could potentially, they, the Lakers could potentially fill three different slots, Tommy, if they trade down. They could get the Colby Jones type of combo guard. They could get the TJD sort of big man who can do everything. And then maybe they get even a wing, right? Because a lot of the older wing prospects like Seth Lundy, Jalen Slauson, who I talked about, are getting pushed to the end of the second. So I totally agree with you on that front. With regards to my candidates for if the Lakers trade down, I'm going to give you five prospects (laughs) just because I want to spread my, uh, my list here. I'm going to give you Maxwell Lewis. Chris Murray, Colby Jones, Ben Shepard, and Omax Prosper, who we talked about previously. Yeah, who I also like. Yeah, and the player that I think the Lakers will hone in on, even though I think they could get two out of these two out of these five players if they get two picks, right? I think I'm going to hone in on Maxwell Lewis just okay. because of the proximity with Pepperdine, and I think he gives the Lakers a little bit more upside as if they were kind of picking a lotto pick, you know, in the late 20s, um, but still giving them a floor. So in summary, Tommy's predictions are if the Lakers stay at 17, Jet Howard, just to be different, Tommy, I'm going to say Keontae George. Mm -hmm. And then if the Lakers trade down, Tommy says Chris Murray, and I say Maxwell Lewis. So here we go. Let's see what happens. And you know, it's so funny that we did all this homework, Tommy. I am 100% confident that the Lakers will just trade their pick out right. <laughs> and then no, we'll they're going to the 47 pick. They're going to end up taking like the one guy, like Brandon Podziemski or with the one dude we've had, yeah. we haven't talked about. <laughs> <laughs> they absolutely are. Podziemski is Luke Kennard 2.0. So I'll yeah. just say that. All right. With that said, that does it for our penultimate NBA draft episode because the draft is coming up and... 
yeah, buckle up. If you haven't checked out all of our other draft-related podcasts, please do so. We have about five or six episodes, including an episode with the No Ceilings Draft Collective. Check that episode out. But with that said, we will catch you guys on Thursday. I'm sure there will be a lot of rumblings and rumors and trade back and forth here and there till then. And uh, yeah, we will catch you guys after the draft. So, Tommy, see you on draft day. Peace. Laters. Laters on the Menji. Okay. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.